It's time for Hawk Central. From the Des Moines Register and 1460 KXNO, Des Moines Sports Station. Welcome to Hawk Central here on 1460 KXNO. Chad Leistico in studio with us, hanging out after just a few minutes there in that 5 o'clock hour to help us wrap up. And now we reach out to our buddy Mark Emmert, who's on the phone. Hey, Mark, how you doing, bud? Doing great. How are you, Ross? We're doing really well. We had uh, an interview earlier in the day with Spencer Lee, Hawkeye National Champion, and uh, we recorded that around 2 o'clock. We will play that towards the end of the 6 o'clock hour. Um, Mark, just so you know, we do talk to him a lot about Pokemon, so I know you're going to be <laughs> tuned into the first couple minutes of that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. He's big. Spencer Lee, just to give you a little tease here, maybe not exactly satisfied with his national championship in wrestling. He may be he may have an eye on the Pokemon National Championships <laughs> at some point uh, down the line. We'll get to that and more. Let's start with the stuff that uh, was the news of the week here, and that, of course, was Brady Ellingson and Ahmad Wagner announcing that they'll be leaving the Hawkeye basketball team. Let's take these apart, Mark, and we'll just go one by one. Brady Ellingson, I think, was one that doesn't surprise us a lot. Uh, what does it mean for the Hawkeye basketball team that Brady Ellingson's walking away? Well, it means they've got a scholarship. Um, obviously, uh, like you said, he, he's, he's going to graduate. He's actually a really good student. Uh, he's one of their academic All-Americans. And uh, he'll graduate uh, this spring, and then he can transfer anywhere he wants to without having to sit out. So that's great for him because uh, he was, I don't think, part of the plans. We saw that this year. He didn't play at all. I think the last six games might have been a healthy scratch. I don't think he didn't score in the last 12 games. So wow. he kind of uh, fell by the wayside there. Yeah, and uh, – and so I think it's a great chance for him to kind of start over, maybe get closer to home, maybe find a program that's a little bit more mid-major in, in size. And it's a chance for Iowa to either give that scholarship to Connor McCaffrey or go out and find a shop around. Maybe try to get a transfer guard in there because they definitely need uh, a lot of help in the backcourt. All right, Chad, jump in here. What what happens with that scholarship? Well, I think once we talk about Ahmad Wagner, that's another scholarship that opens. I don't think, I mean, in my opinion, I think that has to go to Connor McCaffrey. I know that there's... One of, you're saying one of these two has one to go to One of the two. Connor. Yeah. Okay. I think so. Two. I do, um, I, and I've I've had a lot of feedback on Twitter that that is ridiculous that Fran shouldn't should pay up for son to walk on, but I just, I think that that is a crazy argument for lots of reasons, and we can get into that if you want, or we don't have to. You know, but. and I think some people will be shocked by this because you guys know I'm I'm usually pretty adamant on this money stuff with NCAA, but that's silly. Yeah, you know, Greg yeah. McDermott did this with Doug. Remember that when he he needed a scholarship in emergency in his yeah. senior year, exactly right when he knew that he was on the verge of becoming a millionaire in the NBA. Yeah, I think that there was a, a lot of stuff to that. I I have no problem. Grant with this. Gibbs got a sixth that, year. That's what it was. They, so they made room for him. Thank you. I knew yeah. there was even another scenario with that. I don't have any problem with McCaffrey taking that scholarship. He's a top 150 Absolutely recruit. Absolutely right. Yeah. And I don't think – Do you really want 15 scholarship guys anyway? We've seen over the years how this has played out. <laughs> Another good point, Chad. I mean, it's too much of a logjam as it is. Is it – do we have any idea of, of potential transfers, what the transfer market looks like, what they'd be looking for with that extra scholarship mark? Has any of this been touched on? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot out there actually, as there is every year. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I think they'd be silly to not look for a guard. I assume that's what they would look for, and maybe even a point guard. Um, and there's you know a couple out there. Especially if they can find one that can really really play defense. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a there's a kid I can't remember his name now, tra- uh, transferring from Dartmouth, uh, that uh, a pretty defensive player. I think is a six three point guard. Now there'll be a lot of interest in him, but uh, you know if, if I can get out there and make a case that there's you come here, you're in the Big Ten, and there's immediate playing time. <laughs> I mean. 
that's a, that's a good selling point for Iowa to be able to go out there and, and uh, sell somebody. Absolutely. I mean, I just I think uh, number one, I think Fran understands that he has to be active in this fifth year transfer market. Um, even asked him that at the Big Tens in in New York City, and while he was not getting into specifics he basically said you know we don't have a scholarship open so that's not realistic he did say he would be open to it which uh, he has not done at iowa he has not taken a grad transfer Hmm. to this point but absolutely get it you got to get a defensive stopper somewhere in there i I think i think more so than a point guard i think you have to have a defensive you have to have a guy that can take the opponent's point guard and guard him because you don't want Jordan. Yeah. You do not want Jordan Bohannon guarding 100%. that guy. Hundred percent, and and that's not another slight on him. You, you want to put Jordan on a, a shooting guard, right? Um, so we're in you know in the zone. Anyway, that's what I would do. I would I would be all out for a defensive guard. Like I was, I was had two good defensive teams under Fran McCaffrey, and that was Anthony Clemens junior and senior years when he was he was shutting down Bryn Forbes of Michigan State. Um, Iowa was a good defensive team back then. Mark, the Ahmad Wagner news joins in with Brady Ellingson, and that that maybe complicates this conversation a little bit more because now we're talking about an extra scholarship. We all think that uh, that grad transfer market might provide something. We have heard the rumor or the possibility that they would just bank this for next sure. year and try to go after a deeper 2019 yeah. class. So you think that's a possibility? Yeah. Absolutely, if they don't like what they're going to get. I mean, there's no sense to just give it to somebody just to give it to somebody. I mean, if they don't get mm-hmm. the top two or three targets, I, yeah, absolutely, yes. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of good talent in that 2019 class, and they, they've got guys that they want to get. Um, so that's uh, that's also a possibility. Now, it also, obviously, that affects your 2018 season. Right. Um, you know, and that's yeah. something you have to weigh against that because, uh, you know, they're coming off a bad season. Do you really want to go into and have another one back-to-back? And well, that's, fans are going to get a little bit anxious. Man, this so. is the way I, I feel about it, I guess, looking at next year, Chad, is that, you, okay, so you lost Dom Ewell, you lost Ahmad Wagner, and you lost Brady Ellingson, and you're bringing in Connor McCaffrey and Joe Wieskamp. Essentially, yeah. yeah that you're, you're filling those men. And C.J. Frederick. And C.J. Frederick. I'm sorry, Mark, what was that? you got Tyler Cook out there undecided. That's not, that's you know, might lose him as well. Okay, so maybe that's the place to start this conversation. Is this the end of the man attrition matriculation? <laughs> I don't think so. I think there'll be at least one more of some okay. kind, you maybe can never two. Relax, I think. Yeah. yeah. What was, I'm I mean, sorry, Mark. What was that, buddy? You can never relax in college yeah. basketball. I mean, we saw that last year when Christian Williams, you know, in October, decides to leave. I mean, there, it's never. You can never say it's the end of the attrition. There's, there's always going to be something around mm-hmm. the corner that you haven't. You know, foreseen like the Wagner thing. Frankly, I didn't see that coming. Well, Wait. let me jump in on the yeah, just because you guys were talking about 2019. Iowa. I mean, if you're going to look at the current roster, they the only guy they lose next year is Nicholas Bear. So, and that's Patrick McCaffrey's scholarship there. I mean, unless you don't want him to be on scholarship either. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but the top top 40 kid in the country. Um, but so that's why I'm more adamant about getting a grad transfer, get a one year guy, and that way you can still yeah. recruit the 2019 class, you know, aggressively. I mean, they they want to get a point guard in that class, obviously, DJ, DJ Carter or Tyrell Terry, yeah. somebody like that. And uh, so anyway, continue. I was, I was just going to ask Mark about Wagner and just what what you think about his future. What does that loss mean? Um, you know, you were a lot closer to Ahmad Wagner, obviously, than I was, Mark. So just your reaction yeah. to Wagner leaving. 
Well, I mean, he's a great kid. Um, I, I mean, I was surprised about the football thing because I, I talked to him two years ago about that, and he, it sounded like he kind of had moved on from football. But obviously, we all saw this year, his, his, just like Ellingson, his playing time diminished significantly, his role in the team, his impact. I mean, he was just not as good of a player as he was as a sophomore. So it, I think on the court, it doesn't really impact Iowa that much next year. I mean, they've yeah. got guys that could do you know what he did and better than what he did. Right. But uh, football is really curious to me because he's. I, mean, I know he had that one great year in, in high school. He still wants to play wide receiver. He told us today at six seven two thirty five. That just seems really really large for that position. But he, he also was a sprinter in high school. So maybe he's that unique athlete that can just uh, seamlessly go from basketball to football and uh, and make it work. But uh, it'll be really interesting to watch because you know he's he's committed. He's all in. He was talking about possible NFL. Yeah, that uh, wasn't maybe in his sights this you know in the future. So. You've got to have those. You have to have your dreams way out of whack if you're going to be a Division One athlete. You've got to. You've got to think. Like you've got to think that you are an amazing athlete. And I, so I, I don't fault him for thinking that he might go to the NFL. But boy, what's his path look like? I mean, yeah. Any idea of what what's Probably out there for him? End, I would think. But uh, I mean, he, he's already heard from a few. He's, he's funneling pretty much all his requests through his parents. Okay. Um, but he said they've heard from a few teams. He wouldn't say who, but I, one he would say is that Brian Ferentz has already contacted him, uh, and uh, he's not sure what's next there. So at some point, he's going to have to work out for the coaches to actually, like, actually see what he can do. Um, and uh, obviously, he's uh, still in class here. He needs to keep his academics in order. He's, he's on pace to graduate next year. So he hasn't he hasn't caught a football in three years. He's been, he's been solely on basketball, so he's going he's gonna to go out and start working out now again, trying to you know, reestablish those football skills. Man. And uh, I mean, there's a lot of interest in him. I'm sure he's just a he's a freaky athlete, and uh, you know Iowa certainly is among a lot of teams that could use help at the receiver position, whatever right. you call him, a wide receiver or a tight end or some hybrid of the two. Um, if he if he shows what he can do to the Iowa coaches, I mean they would be silly not to not to jump on that because it sounds like he wants to stay. All things being equal, because he wouldn't have to go up that extra year of eligibility, he could play for two more years uh, if he stays at Iowa. If he if he transfers, he's got to sit out one year. So. Um, Unless he goes FCS, yeah, I think FCS is probably off the table right now. From what I'm hearing, it just sounds like he's he's more of an FBS guy. I mean, if, if, uh, if the big schools want him, I think that's where he wants to go because he wants to get the NFL. So, Mark, you, very very interesting to see what happens. You were on the the phone call with Ahmad. I was not because we were recording yeah. the Spencer Lee interview. But did he did he say anything about the possibility of him participating in, in this spring's drills for Iowa? Um, is that a possibility? No, it doesn't sound like it. No, it's not like he's, he's uh, it's too late for him to be in a spring practice camp. I just don't think he's ready for that. Uh, he's okay. not really in shape for that. I think he needs to kind of work his way in. So he'd be, it would be summertime at the earliest when he'd actually be, you know, on a team actively like that. And and, uh, and I actually kind of wonder, could he get in good enough shape to actually play somewhere this fall? If, even if it was Iowa, would he, would he yeah. be good enough to get out there? He's got to be in shape. shape. I mean, yesterday. come on. Matt Quarles came in here last year and couldn't. That's, you know, he was playing a football. He, he he couldn't get on the field, so it's yeah. not that easy. You can't just like run out there and say, oh, "I'm a good athlete. I'm going to play football, and it's all going to work out." So got to be able to catch the ball. Got to be able to run patterns. Which you know, who knows what he? I saw some highlights of him in high school. I'm not sure he was actually ever running patterns there. He's basically just the biggest guy in the field, <laughs> just chucking it up to him. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, and that's you know that's not going to cut it in major college football. So there's a lot to be answered there. Obviously, first before we get too yeah. excited about Chad. My, rea- Wagner. my reaction to the physicality was a lot more like Mark's than it sounds like yours is. That this is a kid. I didn't know he was a sprinter. That's kind of shocking yeah. news to me. At six seven two thirty five, the kid was a sprinter. Seems he was like the kickoff. 
and they I think either scored a touchdown returning a kickoff or a punt yeah. in the Ohio State Championship when he was a senior. But my fear on this, Chad, was exactly that. Physically, the last couple of years, this kid's been building his body to eat up paint in, in yeah. the Big Ten. And now all of a sudden you want to put him out wide and have him go up against a Big Ten D-back. I just don't see how that transitions that quickly. Well, here's the thing. If... If he want, if he really thinks he can go to the NFL, I mean, as if Iowa wants to give him a scholarship, and that's another question: Do they have a scholarship available? Is he worth a scholarship? They're already at eighty-seven going into next year, so they still got to cut two, um, you know, or attrition for two. They're not yeah. cutting two, but yeah. you know, they're they're counting on a couple guys leaving. I'm sure. Um, you know, they've got to be able to. There's got to be a win-win there. But uh, but if you want to go to the NFL, I, I mean. You would think the place you'd want to do it would be the Iowa Strength and Conditioning Center. Good I mean, point. even if you're not going to play, yeah. you're getting your body ready yep. for, you know, with Chris Doyle for two winters or whatever and two summers. And, you know, there's, uh, I would think he would see the benefit to that. And if you're a wide receiver, you might be able to see some time. Yeah, wide receiver, yeah. <laughs> Tight end, no, not this right, year. Right. I don't think. Right. Let's dive into football. Right. When we get back, let's look at this. Because I know you had a press conference the other day. We saw a depth chart of what to expect from spring football. And I thought there were some interesting things on there. We see uh, an important move at offensive line. I think it was an important move. We'll talk to Mark and see what his thoughts were on that. Chad Lystico and Mark Emmert from the Des Moines Register hanging out with us for Hawk Central. Your calls coming up next here on 1460 KXNO. It's Hawk Central from the Des Moines Register and 1460 KXNO. Welcome back to Hawk Central here on 1460 KXNO. We have a special interview coming up here in about 20 minutes or so. Spencer Lee was able to give us some time earlier today. Chad and I sat down with him, talked about uh, his reaction to winning a national title, the crazy pin over uh, Nathan Tomasello, yeah. his the, the pressure of being a guy that um, a lot of Hawkeye fans are planning on being the cornerstone of a rebuild or resurgence of yeah. this team. So, And he would not have voted for Bo Nickel as outstanding wrestler either. Yeah, that's right. Also wouldn't have voted for himself. Correct. So good stuff coming up. We've got Mark Emmert and Chad Lystico hanging out with us. We can take a few of your phone calls right now if you'd like. Anthony wants to talk about Hawkeye football, and lucky enough for Anthony, that's where we were going to steer the show anyway. Anthony, thanks for calling us here on Hawk Central, buddy. How are you? Pretty good. I mean, Anthony got to meet Chuck Wong last fall. Am I right that's, on that? That's that. That's the Anthony. One of my highlights of the of 2017, Anthony. What What do you want to share with us today, buddy? Well, the question is, I have for you, well, you three three of you there is, uh, what are your expectations for this year's Hawkeye football uh, uh, program coming up for the fall of 2018? And another question is, I have for you is for Chad and Mark as well. Are they going to have a spring practice here at Valley Stadium this year compared to last year? All right, and, Anthony. Uh, what's the Iowa schedule is going to be for this coming football season? Now, uh, I got Melissa. That, uh, go Hawks. Go Hawks, Anthony. Thanks for the phone call, buddy. Now, Chad, I'll let you handle one of those. Uh, the the spring practice here in Des Moines over at Valley Stadium, not happening. Not happening this year, Anthony. Um, just a little change up in the schedule. I'm told that uh, it will reappear sometime in the future, but uh, this year they're going to just stick to the one open practice, which would be the spring game on Friday, April 20th. Uh, April 20th at Kinnick Stadium in Iowa City. Yep. Then it'll be September 1st, Anthony, before we kick off the season with Northern Illinois. Hawks will have four straight home games to start the season. Yeah. Northern Illinois, Iowa State, UNI, and Wisconsin 
We'll get the season started before the Hawkeyes take. We'll it. know a lot by September twenty second. Yeah, by that bye week, we're going to have a really good idea of exactly how good this team is. Let's talk about that expectations then, Chad. I, you looked at the depth chart and you pulled off something that I think is pretty incredible from this uh, from this depth chart. The, the macro of this: how many seniors are is Iowa planning on starting right now? Seven senior starters, and um, no slight to these guys, they are not going to be the stars of the team. I mean, yeah, I don't think you. When you look at difference makers on this roster, right. you wouldn't fit the. You wouldn't put these seniors up there. I think offensively, obviously, you'd have Noah Fan. You're hoping that Nate Stanley. Junior. Noah, yeah, yeah you, right. You're hoping that uh, Nate Stanley has a yep. really good year. You know, Nick Easley is a guy that made a few plays last year. You've got a couple of good tackles in Alaric Jackson and Tristan Wirfs. You got really good tight ends. None of those guys are seniors. Nick Easley. Easley, Easley is, yeah. is the one in that group, I guess. Yep. Reynolds, Render, Easley, Racinos, Hesse, Aaron Menz, and Jake Travas. Those are your seven senior starters at this point. Menz has never started a game. He's barely played. Um, Hesse's a rotating defensive end. Um, Gervas probably wouldn't be starting if Brandon Snyder was healthy. Um, okay, did you tell me that hoping – because <laughs> I, I, it was weird. I think – I felt like you told me that almost to be like, Ross, temper your expectations for next year. And honestly, what it did in my brain was, man, 2019. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this team's going to be so good in 2019. 12-0. Yeah. What, what do you think? 15, Mark. Don't sell me short here. Oh, I got you. I got you. <laughs> Mark, what about that? You've got six seniors on this team. Chad, when we were in the break there, Chad just went back a few years. He said, you know, Ross, think about this. Your seniors last year were Akram Wadley and Josie Jewell. You had guys, Sean Welsh, yeah, and Sean, yeah, right. And then before that, you had guys that we all thought were, and King could be NFL players or were NFL players. That's Kittle. just or, not going to be the same here. No, not not this class. I don't see an NFL player among those seven. But uh, but you are correct. It's loaded with really good juniors, and they're going to have to lead the way. That's what Chad wrote about. I thought he had a great column today about that. That's uh, and Nate Stanley, obviously chief among them. He's going to have to have a huge year, and it sounds like. Uh, Mr. Ference is pretty confident that he can do that. Yeah. Chad, you, yeah. you make the strong point, too. He's got to have a healthy year. Absolutely. He has no backups. I mean, I, he lost his, <laughs> his two number. He lost his number two and lost his number three to transfer in Tyler Wiegers and Ryan Boyle. So if, uh, if we're talking about Anthony's question, the 2018 expectations, that's what I wrote. you, you got to look at Nate Stanley because he's got to have a great year for Iowa to be good, um, and he cannot get hurt. He cannot get hurt because Peyton Manziel is his backup, who's a freshman. Uh, you got a true freshman behind him, and that's it. So let's let's kind of move that offense here because Hawkeye fans are familiar with Torn Young and Ivory Kelly Martin. They it looks like they'll be splitting running back duties. Mark, how close would you say right now the battle is for starting running back? Yeah, I think that's a toss up right yeah, there because right. uh, you saw that late in the year it was Kelly Martin that was getting more of the reps than Torn Young. In fact, I don't think Torn Young played in the bowl game. I think back to that. So yeah, I don't think he did. I would say he's probably a little bit ahead. I was cold though. I don't remember team, much. But, uh, but they both look good at times, and uh, and if they're healthy and, and capable of doing what the coaches think they can be, then they'll be fine at running back with those two guys. If not, just like quarterback, there's nothing behind them. And that's, I mean, if we're going to talk about quarterbacks, I wanted to kind of move through running backs quick because there are some question marks. In fact, what Mark said, there's kind of a mystery man for Hawkeye fans on this wide receiver depth chart. Yeah, Mark, you wrote about him, uh, and I don't want to pronounce his name, so you go. I can't, I can't either. I haven't met him. I knowing about him. I had to, I had to Google the kid just to find out what his story is. Yeah, Kyle Gronaweg, 
I think is his name. He's, yeah. uh, he's actually, I think he was a high school teammate of Brandon Snyder's, if I'm not mistaken. He's up from that corner of the state and went to the University of Sioux Falls, uh, the Division II school, and was a good wide receiver and kick and punt returner there. And transferred to Iowa last August. I think LeVar Woods was kind of on him. He knew about him, another guy from Northwest uh, Iowa. And then uh, I don't think uh, Kirk Parents said he's really knowing about him last August when he showed up. He said he just kind of showed up and started playing and looked really good. And I thought it was. One thing that was impressive about him was that he was named uh, special teams and offensive, you know, player of the year on that scout team that they run, which also I think is where Brandon Snyder kind of first made his impact at Iowa too. So obviously the uh, he had some really good practice sessions last year, and now he's second on the depth chart uh, coming into the spring. So he he could be this year's Nick Easley. Wide receiver on the depth chart was one of the more interesting conversations and um, developments, in my opinion. We got so this is the first depth chart we've had since before the Pinstripe Bowl. The last few years, we've gotten one in January. Last several years, ever since the C.J. Beathard thing, um, didn't get one this year in January. So this was kind of our first time to really look at what the coaches are thinking about these guys. And lo and behold, on the top line at split end is not Amir Smith Marset. It is Brandon Smith. Wow, uh, who we were kind of pretty excited about, I yeah. guess, in terms of hype last year as a true freshman. And he has he's put on fourteen pounds. He's now six three two nineteen. Um, so that's interesting. And and, and Ference did talk about him for a little while. Um, said he kind of lacked confidence last year. So if he can, I mean, obviously that's you know something that's probably pretty common among true freshmen. Yeah, right. Um, so it makes me feel, it makes me feel like they see good things in him in terms of practice habits, uh, work ethic, mentality to put him on that top line, and then Mark. Uh, why is Smith Marset on the two line? <laughs> well, I, I'm not. He didn't say for sure why, but it sounds like it might be something to do with his phone use. Because <laughs> uh, when when Kirk Ferentz was asked about him, it was really I thought a funny line. He talked about how uh, he'd like to see him get off his cell phone a little bit when he's in the players' lounge and maybe go over and watch some more film. So maybe maybe a little bit of a maturity issue. Obviously, he mentioned his size too. Uh, Smith Marset, I think, has not added any weight. But yeah, he did not. Seventy five. So. Uh, but uh, it was it was kind of funny. He called him out a little bit. Uh, Kirk Ferentz did, and uh, sounds like they want to see him be a little more serious about about his off field workout. They've so. got to see amazing potential in that kid, Mark. We talked about this all year last well, year. We yeah, I mean they yeah. they they trusted they him with yeah. the ball even after he had a couple of miscues. They trusted him in yep. very big Probably. times, and I, I to to know that Ferentz is using these sort of motivation tactics. They they think he's. They think he can be a difference maker. I'm just trying to read between yeah, the lines right. here. They think he can be a guy that That's is a good, real playmaker. Huh. Interesting. Good takeaway. I mean, he wouldn't be saying this stuff if, he, if it, they thought he was garbage. Absolutely. Right. I mean, so they, they want him. They're trying to kick him in the, in the rear, just like Wadley, same high right, school. Right, And they, and you put him the at the two thing. line. I just yeah. don't – I yeah. there's some motivation happening here, yeah. and I'm okay with that. Uh, what's going on with offensive line, Mark? I, I didn't see this coming at all. I thought Alaric Jackson, after the year he had, was – the left tackle of the future. It looks like there's a change there. Uh, Tristan Wirfs, uh, the number one at left tackle. Alaric Jackson to right tackle. Am I looking too much into it? You are because okay. uh, Kirk Parent said he didn't. He wasn't even sure how they had him listed. He said they're going to both play both positions and they'll, they'll figure that out later, which is left and which is right. So it's it's listed that way. Uh, you you mentioned for now Wirfs on the left and Jackson on the right, but that's not set in stone. The good news I think for Iowa fans is that those guys are both really really good and very big and very young. So yeah. you should have two really good tackles here. 
at least the next two years, if not three, depending upon their NFL futures. But uh, yeah. Paris has said many times that he does not see a big difference between left and right tackle the way that we kind of like like make a big deal out of that. So uh, <laughs> in his mind, it made us be, you know, just figure out, you know, what you're more comfortable with and, and let it fly. Truth is, this is exactly why Coach Ferentz hates doing depth charts, right? He doesn't want idiots like me, idiots like me, sitting on a five thousand watt station a couple hundred miles away, trying to pick apart why one name is on one line and another. Right? Am I right? This and this one of the things that Ferentz says, well, and I don't like doing these because of that. Here's the, here's what I would say: as I I think Tristan Wirfs is the left tackle okay. listed there for a reason. I mean, he. Yeah, it wasn't an accident. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he started the bowl game at left tackle because Alaric Jackson was suspended. Okay, so maybe you think, okay, well, they're just keeping him there because that's where he started the bowl game. But they got Alaric at right tackle. Tristan Wirfs, he's, he just went through his first winter conditioning program. Uh, um, I'm told he's on his ver- on the verge of setting uh, weight room records at Iowa that Brandon Sheriff holds. Um, this guy is going to be an NFL draft pick, and I would say, uh, you know, unless he – Really loves school. I mean, I think two more years. I mean, this he's yeah. he's six five, three twenty, freak athlete, freak strength. Uh, I mean, prototypical left tackle yeah. in my opinion. Okay, so I don't think you're reading too much into it. Even uh, even though Ferentz said that, I think I think this is where it's headed. On the defensive side of the ball, what was what was something that jumped out to you, Mark? What would be your headline from the defensive depth chart? Well, I mean, the thing to monitor. Pretty much the biggest question mark about this team, I think, all year is going to be the linebackers. Yeah. They got to replace three really good linebackers. I mean, I, I wrote that uh, replacing Josie Jewell is like losing a starting star quarterback. I mean, that's just as impactful on this team as, as anybody could possibly be. And then uh, you lose, you know, Ben Neiman and Bo Bauer along with them, and now you got the three guys that listed as number ones have a combined twenty six tackles in their Hawkeye career. Wow. If my math is correct, and that's that's like a good game for Jewell. <laughs> <Right>. so, um, <laughs> That's something I think that's just going to be. I mean, nothing's going to be decided this spring. I mean, I'm sure it'll go well into the summer. But uh, you know, Ferris was saying they they got to find the three best guys and then then figure out what positions to put them at, like where they could be most successful. So you could tell it's just like a complete toss up, even in his mind right now. He keeps he keeps saying it's cloudy, and the players apparently aren't making it any less cloudy for him by you know performing great things on the field. So I, they haven't seen what they wanted to see yet out of any of those guys, and so. Right now it's Nick Neiman, Christian Welch, Aaron Menz, but uh, it's not like there could be a lot of fluidity there uh, all summer. Neiman, Welch, and Menz. If you had to throw a couple of other mm-hmm. names in there, Chad, that Hawkeye fans should be looking for at linebacker? Yeah, um, Jack Hockaday is healthy again. He's he's He was actually the guy that they put in there when Jewel was ejected a few years right. ago. Uh, he's the backup middle linebacker at this point. He is already a senior, um, so I think Welch maybe has the edge there. Um, Ferentz did talk yesterday about needing kind of that – uh, aggression or, or more aggressive type mentality. I don't. Okay. I think they're kind of looking for that from those guys. Mamani um, Jones, real physical guy, right now is backing up Aaron Menz on the weak side, and then uh, and then on the outside. Right now they've listed Barrington Wade number two, um, but I think the thing to keep watching, and we won't. This won't be part of the spring conversation, but it sounds like Brandon Snyder or Jake Gervas could move into that outside mm-hmm. linebacker role. They didn't. Wow. They did not seem apprehensive whatsoever about moving one of them there because they they don't think their wires are going to get crossed at safety they're not going to get too right. it's not going to be too big for them and we've talked about how a lot of times in that hawkeye defense that outside linebackers in pass coverage anyway you're, you're oh so yeah you're, that's why ben yeah. neiman was so good he actually could do it but, right you know can nick neiman do that as a redshirt sophomore mm-hmm. uh you know i think that there's gonna be questions there so yeah i like the idea of putting a 
Snyder or Gervas in that role, and then maybe that way you've got you still got a Monty Hooker, Geno Stone, and Snyder or Gervas as another safety. What happened? Manny Rugumba is on the other side. Uh, The cornerbacks are Matt Hankins. He has now moved to left corner, which was Josh Jackson's position. Um, And then Michael Ojemudia right now is on the one line ahead of Rugamba. Um, So that's interesting. And Trey Creamer is the backup on the other side. He's a redshirt freshman from the Atlanta area. Mm. And uh, Iowa has a ton of defensive backs coming in as well. Don't forget a a true freshman that uh, I wouldn't be shocked if they contended as well for – for playing time. Mark, it looks like defensive line, you've got a lot of talent there. When you got AJ Epinesa listed on the two line at defensive end, there's some talent there. What is the plan though? You you think we end up seeing some of these ends moving inside? That's it's kind of the rumors we've heard. Well that's that's a good question. I think Epinesa would be the likely candidate among those listed there. He's uh, he's up to two seventy seven. But uh he was on the two line all last year too. So the, the guys ahead of him both uh, are very experienced in Hesse and, and Anthony Nelson. I mean, the big news there was that Matt Nelson, again, is going to miss the spring uh, with an injury. And uh, obviously he's had just a real tough run of luck with health. And it's been like, what, two, three years that we've seen this every year. He's, you know, he's out for the spring. So uh, defensive tackle, you're right. There's, there's some question there. they got Lattimore and Brady Reef listed there as the starters right now. Reef is you know a little small to be playing in a tackle, but he's up at 272. And then Dallas Jacobus and Garrett Jansen behind him. So they, they could use obviously Matt Nelson back and maybe they I, I still think maybe they do move out Vanessa in there just because they'll need him. Yeah, I'm I'm They're not gonna get Davion Nixon. We found that out yesterday. Yeah. He's yep. stuff for the year. He's academic red shirt, so uh, that option is not there for him. I have great concerns about defensive tackle right now. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I I know people are thinking this is a strength, but I think the ends are the are good. I agree with that. But if you Right up the middle, defensive tackle, and now you've replaced Josie Jewell, middle linebacker. I'm, there's concerns there. That's that why makes, I say, that makes sense, Chad. Yeah, that's why I say that there because uh, that Nate Stanley's got to be really good. I mean, this offense is going to have to be good. Now, that's one thing um, that I did ask Kirk Ferentz about yesterday was, you know, what are the expectations year two of the offense? And I do think the offense has the potential to take a nice step forward this and year. They need to because they're not, you know, dinking around with. What are we going to call this play and that play? They know what they're doing, and they have a system in place. So that's saving them a lot of time this spring. That's so that's a positive. A positive. But yeah, defensive tackle. I don't know, man. I mean, if we have to assume Matt Nelson's going to be healthy, but mm-hmm. um, you know Cedric Lattimore needs to take a big step. He, he still he still wasn't that great last year. Uh, Brady Reef, two hundred seventy two pounds, not. Not sold, Garrett Jansen. I, I mean, I was kind of counting on Davian Nixon being part of this rotation, and now he's not. So, mm. I don't well, know. I, I hate you, to put a damper so on things, no, but okay. I'm just, you, I think you, that's going to be a concern. If you had to pick between uh, Parker Hesse, Anthony Nelson, AJ Epinesa, which one of those guys fits best into that defensive tackle slot? Epinesa, I think for sure. Like Mark yeah, said, no question, no question. All right, man. Anything else we need to pick apart with this depth chart? Well, Ryan Grisande listed as the punter, yeah. not uh, yeah. Uh, who was it? Colton Rastetter. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, he showed a big leg in that Northwestern game last year, Mark, and, then, and then he got hurt. Mark, so. you're okay with the number of tight ends listed? Hmm. Uh, they only no, no. <laughs> Why uh, to get Ahmad Wagner? Maybe they, maybe they need him there. Yeah, they they. Uh, they're still loaded at tight end. They got so many guys. They got to get them on the field somehow. I, I still love the Emmert package with what fourteen tight ends or whatever it would be. It'd be a flag, <laughs> but it'd be be, be well worth it because it'd be a lot of fun. And you'd probably be on Sports. I agree. 
So how about Keith yeah. Duncan not listed? Yeah. The hero yeah. of the 2016 Michigan game, not on the depth chart. When we get back, Chad and I are going to sit down with Spencer Lee, Hawkeye National Champion. Fun conversation. We'll let Mark go. Mark, we'll talk to you next week. All right, buddy? All right. Thanks, guys. We'll wrap up Hawk Central. Me, Chad Lysico, next here on 1460 KXNO. Chad Lysico, I would have had no idea what Pokemon was. My seven-year-old son loves it. I know this is stuff that's been around for a, a decades now. So there's this generation of people that Pokemon has a very special meaning to. You're learning this with your son, right? That's right, yeah. I told him about uh, our next guest, how he walked out to the Pokemon song, and he instantly loves this guy. Everybody has, I think most guys think about what would my walkout music be? Some guys it's like Rocky, Matt Hughes used to use uh, 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 Country Boy Can Survive. Our next guest, Spencer Lee, became a national champion walking out to Pokemon. That's a new kind of tough right there. Spencer Lee, thanks for giving us some time here on Hawk Central. How are you, sir? Good, how are you? Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So first, tell us about the Pokemon. Obviously it's something that's been, uh, are you a Pokemon player? Should we not assume that? Oh, I definitely am. Okay. Um, <clears throat> first started playing, you know, I traveled a lot for uh, clubs such as Young Guns and Burnett's Train Wrestling Club and, uh, you know, two-hour, two-and-a-half-hour, three-hour drives. And, you know, there and back I would play Pokemon. And eventually I got into the competitive scene, which is called VGC or TCG. Both VGC is like video game console or you know, video game competition. And then TCG is trading card game. I don't do TCG. I don't do trading cards. I only do the uh, DS. Okay. And, you know, it's a, it's a real thing. There's a world championship for it. I'm pretty sure the world championships are in August. Um, you have to compete at tournaments and win and get something called championship points. If you get, in, in, in America, it's 400. Then you get a, uh, a bid for the first day of the world championships. So. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's legit. How, now, is that something you're obviously a very competitive dude? Is that something that you aspire to someday? Is to get to? Uh, the... I wish, I wish. I, I honestly, I just go to watch honestly. But August, hmm. May, June, August, September, those months are just freestyle months. So yeah. it's really, it's really hard. You know, me and my uh, my best friend Van. He uh, he's another uh, Pokemon player. He uh, he actually goes to Penn State, but uh, he. Uh, and me and him both have a you know dreams to you know, <laughs> compete one day there, but That's we'll awesome. see. So Spencer, after the NCAA title match, you said you a, a while back you were going to walk out to this. You knew you were going to walk out to this music. So tell us about the circumstances of why you went through with this and how that started. Well, at first it was like a joke, like Spence, man, what are you going to walk out to your walkout song? You can't be lame, you know, you don't want to be lame, yeah. walk out to something that's like pumped up, you right. know, and, and Brooks is like, you know, it would be really great, Spence, he's like, you know, you can walk out to the Pokemon theme song, and he started like singing it, you know, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I want to be the, he's like, it's great, it's perfect, it I is. was like, you know, that's actually a great idea, I was like, because I, people may think it's a joke and laugh while I run out to it, that stuff like fires me up, that's like my childhood right there, like yeah. that's like, going to practice music you know what i mean like you know like you're playing pokemon you're you're, you gotta you gotta save the game and now you're walking into practice you know just like that's like my you know but in between camp sessions like it was just like it really it really brings it all in for me about wrestling you know that's you know i mean i can't imagine how many hours i have on my pokemon game (laughs) 
So take us back to that moment, Spence, that you're walking into the arena there in Cleveland. Do you hear the music? I mean, was that something that you just knew was playing? Were you so focused? Can you walk us through that that moment? Well, I mean, I heard the, you know, the song, you know, some songs have a special meaning that, you know, you get that feeling when you hear it. And that song just kind of like, I don't know, it almost excites me, puts me Mm -hmm. in the zone. And that's like the crazy thing to think about because you think like I had a tiger or you know something like that would like really fire you up. But like that song, it just like you know, because like that song is attributed to like you know the main character, or whatever the anime is like trying to be the best Pokemon player and you know trainer in the world. And like it just like inspires you to be the best you can be. Is kind of how I I see it as. And it just I don't know. It means it really is. It doesn't mean a lot to me. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not just. I think that's something, Spencer. That some people would be surprised to learn about you. I mean, maybe if we were all watching Saturday Night, we picked up on that. What's something else that people would be surprised to know about you? We know you're a great wrestler. We know you like Pokemon. What else is there? Oh man, I don't know. Pretty simple guy. I was. Um, I told someone you had a twin sister, and they were surprised at that. I do they have thought a twin that was sister. Cool. And me and her very opposite. We have absolutely nothing in common. <laughs> She's an incredible singer. I can't sing to save my life. She's really artistic. I can't even draw stick figures. <laughs> uh, what else? She's she has like a 4.0, which is insane to me. I do not have a 4.0. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're very different. She doesn't do any sports. Outside of outside of winning Saturday night, what was your most memorable part of your your trip? Well, there's a couple. I think hugging my family was a lot of fun, knowing that the hard work they put into it was really a uh, really worth it. I think hugging my teammates is probably one of my favorite. Right, right after before all my interviews, uh, I remember I hugged uh, hugged Cameron and I hugged Marinelli. You know, said I had the greatest teammates in the world, and then I stand by that. Those two, uh, I don't think you'd see two, two more more animated people maybe than those two, uh, probably in the stands. And yeah. I know they know I'd be the same way. I was positions were switched. You know, we really want to see each other uh, succeed, and I think that was my favorite part of the tournament was being able to see my teammates and you know help. Uh, yeah, sure. that was probably it. Yeah, that's cool. During your march to the NCAA title, <clears throat> your opponents had three opportunities to pick down or neutral all three pick neutral is that a really? is that something that is th- these guys are afraid i think afraid to be on bottom against well you, honestly. i think the first two matches i had like two minutes of riding time and i had turned both of them so i mean as a coach yeah thomas like thomas L and pitchney have both taken me down before so like as a coach it's pretty in both in later periods, so it's a pretty easy decision for them to be like, well, mm-hmm. you know, we've gotten takedowns before in the later part of the match. Why would we go down and not have, maybe possibly not have that opportunity, you know, maybe get turned, you know. I think it was a pretty easy decision to go neutral for those two. Um, so, What about Siriano? Was that Did that surprise you at all? That It definitely goes, surprised me okay. because I didn't ride him last time he wrestled. He actually got out on me, but back then there was no riding time. So I think I might have rode him for a minute, and then he got out. So. Okay. That, that, I think that makes sense, Chad, okay. right? You, you look I still those. think they're afraid of you, but that's okay. <laughs> he doesn't have to say it. <laughs> I don't think Nick's afraid of anything, <laughs> in my opinion on that. I, I want to ask you about Tomasello. That, that, was, that pin, 
Spencer, I had to watch that three or four times. I even came back here to the radio station. Um, our, our program director, Andrew Downs, he wrestled. I, we had to show some of the guys in the building. Like We could not figure out physically how you came across that pin. Was that something that you felt coming, or was this just kind of a scramble and you realized that you had him in a, in a dangerous spot? It was just, it, well, I remember just like reacting. You know, that's kind of how I wrestle, kind of a, you know, I just I feel. I can't really tell you what I'm doing, to be honest. And I remember he tried to funk, and I remember putting all my weight on his chest with my my right leg. And, my, you know, and I'm almost in like a split, you know. I'm like heavy on him. So then he's still holding on to my ankles, and he can't move, you know. I remember ripping his legs up, putting more pressure and weight onto his back, and then I reached around and grabbed his chin. And I could see his shoulders, and the ref was swiping back points, and, I, you know, I was like, okay, I'm going to get four back points here. But then I just kept leaning, and he, uh, you know, I could see his shoulders going flat. And I was like, I think I can pin him here. So I remember just leaning really hard and putting on my weight down. And if I, if I wasn't flexible, I wouldn't have been able to do that. I can promise you that much. Pretty sure my my knee was almost past my head. <laughs> that was that was the knee that had the brace on it too. Could you have done that with with the brace on? You think? Yep, probably. Yeah, yeah. but I might not have gotten to that position because my knee wouldn't have been able to turn. Yeah. Uh, in certain positions because the brace obviously prevents it from you know turning like that chad i was one of those hawkeye fans that was a little bit uh bent when i found out that spencer didn't win outstanding wrestler is that justified spencer i mean was that talk in the locker room i really thought rutherford should have won it really yeah okay well, I'm, glad, I'm glad to hear you say that because I see the world through black and gold glasses. So he thinks so. they picked the wrong guy too. Yeah, they, so. that's the that's the headline. I love Chad. I, I mean, I Bo is an amazing wrestler. Don't get yeah. me wrong. That's not, I'm not taking anything away from. No, him. I know we're, just, we're joking. I knew that they were going to pick him because it it, it it uh like as soon as Bo pinned Miles, I looked at I looked at my dad that he's going to get a W just because hmm. every every single turn I've ever been to the Outstanding Wrestler Award has not gone to the Outstanding Wrestler. It, it, it's either the Upset Award in my opinion, or the uh, team race award. And that's kind of how I see it. Because mm, sure. I remember, like, I mean, look at my state finals match. I mean, I mean, does, did DeSanto deserve OW or did someone else who won their third state title deserve it? I mean, DeSanto, right? He upset me. So it was the upset award in my mind. So I, as soon yeah. as I saw that, I kind of knew that uh, there was no chance of me getting it. And, and it just kind of blew my mind because, you know, you think of OW, you think of dominance, and that's why I, I said Zane. I know they don't count the season, but yeah, I think I think that's why Zane should should win Hodge as well. That's a that's a good take. So he's just so dominant his whole career, and yeah. nothing but respect for him. So I, I just don't, you know, I mean, I think Bo had a decision winner something over a, like a I don't know a higher seed, whereas Zane is just so dominant. No matter what. So, Spencer, Iowa did not have a qualifier at 133, um, which is interesting because that's the weight where Iowa had its two previous national titles before uh, before you won it. Is this some, it's a clear hole in the Iowa lineup. Is there is there something you can do to actively recruit somebody to come wrestle with you? I would think that would be a no-brainer. I don't know. We're doing our best. Um, you know, Paul is going to do his best to train hard and you know, be the best he can be, and if someone comes and ends up taking that spot, then I guess, you know, best best to him, you know. Mm. So we're, we're just doing our best. 
We're trying to figure out some of these names next year that Hawkeye fans should be excited about now. And another one of those is Jacob Warner, your roommate. Uh, give us uh, give us some expectations for what Hawkeye fans should expect next year from Jacob Warner. You should expect a lot of heavy hand fighting. Okay. Because he has really heavy hands. <laughs> How, how will he do? Uh, you know, when you came in, Spence, they pulled the red shirt off, and um, Chad and Cody Goodwin were here saying, listen, this guy, this kid could win a national title in his first year in a Hawkeye singlet. I was worried about those lofty expectations. Is is that fair for Jacob Warner? Is he Could he see that same success in his first year in the room? Yeah, I, I do see that, okay. actually. He's that good. So you've got three options this summer, I think. Um, which... You could wrestle juniors, U23, or seniors uh, at, at the World Freestyles. Do you have – which one of those brackets do you want to take on? Oh, I mean, feasibly. I mean, Junior World sounds the most enticing just because I'd be the first American to win three Junior World titles. That'd be that a lot be of bad. fun. <laughs> but for right now, I'm going to talk to Tom Terry and see what the plan is, and we're going to move from there. That sounds good with you guys. That's funny because Chad was even saying that you know that that's probably going to be part of that conversation to see what uh, what your coaches think about this. One of the things, Spencer, I'd like to just get your take on. Uh, there's a lot of pressure on you, man. There, there's a lot of people in this state. I'm one of these guys. I'm a Hawkeye fan. I'm a wrestling fan, and I think that there's been a lot of uh, expectations put on your shoulders that you're going to be a guy that helps return this program to the, the dominance and prominence that it once had. First of all, how do you respond to to hearing that, that, that Hawkeye fans do have... I mean, I, I think, I mean, it doesn't really, you know, I guess some people would say would put pressure on you, but I mean, I don't really see it that way. I mean, yeah. I see myself as the guy that starts the uh, the dual meets off hard, you know, the best I can, help the team out, and I guess hopefully if it's me that helps, you know, help return Iowa to... The state where uh, works are to our expectations, then you know, awesome. I'm, I'm going to do my best to help, and my teammates are going to do the best they can too. And we're going to, we're going to, you know, like Tom said, we're uh, we're not we, we don't want to get used to third. That, that's mm-hmm. we'll, we'll never get used to third. To be honest, um, Spencer Hawkeye wrestling fans are happy to hear that because Hawkeye wrestling fans feel that way. They they're just like you and your coach, man. Thanks for giving us time, Spencer. This means Thanks, a lot. Spencer. Yep. Guys, thank you very much for having me. We'll talk to you soon, buddy. Thanks yep, a lot. I'll see you. Bye. Spencer Lee, that's a fun interview, dude. Pokemon. From Pokemon to being the having the perspective, hey, you know what? I might go to juniors because I'd be the first American to win three junior national or junior world titles. Yeah, huh. yeah this guy's a stud. No Real quick, Chad, in the final minutes here, that Hawkeye wrestling team lived up to all the expectations that we could have had for the well, NCAAs, right? Yeah, I mean, I think they exceeded them. And yeah. honestly, that was probably the best-case scenario to finish third. Um, now, the way they did it uh, was interesting. They, they had more bonus points than any other team. That includes the, the team winner, Penn State, includes Ohio State. Uh, more bonus points than I think that you maybe could even expect next year. Iowa had 11 pins in this tournament, and those were two each. So... Um, but they and the, but on the flip side, they probably didn't finish as high in some weights as they hoped. Yeah. Sorensen finishes fifth at 149 pounds. Camera finishing up fourth at 157 was, nice. was pretty good. Yep. Um, Alex Marinelli makes the semifinals at 165, then uh, falls to sixth. But they did what you said, Chad. You and Cody both, when we were talking last week, that they had to get bonus points and they had to get bonus points up and down the roster. Some of those guys didn't do as as well as we'd hoped, but. Um, for the most part, they all exceeded. Yeah, I mean, they got five All-Americans. Um, 
you know, this was supposed to be a rebuilding year for the Hawkeyes. They were they came into the tournament ranked seventh. Um, you know, expected to get. I mean, I don't know if you would say expected to get seventh, but they were ranked seventh based on their seeds. Um, so you know, they they had a really strong tournament. I think. I think Pope. You know, I think Tom Brands deep down would tell you they had a good tournament. This was fun, Chad. Thanks for setting up Spencer Lee today, and glad we kicked Mark Emmert out for that. I mean. Can't, he, he would have cluttered can't it up. Can't add anything anyway to a wrestling <laughs> conversation. Uh, Chad and Mark be back with me next Wednesday for another exciting installment of Hawk Central. We'll be back at it tomorrow morning early. It'll be 6 a.m. start for the morning rush right here on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.